would like to welcome uh, each and every one of you here for this uh, week-long uh, retreat that uh, we have together. <clears throat> In the opening talk with you this evening, I'd like to give a, a general uh, overview uh, with regard to the retreat, offer a small uh, body of uh, teachings, make reference to the general uh, timetable and also some of the themes of the days that we have here together. The essential purpose and intention uh, uh, with these uh, teachings is plain enough. Uh, the teachings have a singular purpose and that is to wake up. And human beings very easily and terribly vulnerable to sleepwalking through this existence, being out of touch with the realities of the inner and outer life, and that generating much distress for oneself and for others, and as we are witnessing, um, terrible consequences on the, the world that we live in, people, animals and environment uh, near and far. And when human beings are sleepwalking through existence, there is terror, the terror of the blind spots in which desire, wanting, getting, owning and possessing become the reason for living. And the thought, the conditioning, the merciless propaganda which is pumped into us day in and day out keeps telling us again and again more, more, more. More money, more privilege, more possessions, more success, more status, more accomplishment, more achievement. And that competitive and irresponsible uh, issues that go on with us really block us from having an opportunity to really face life, to really see it more clearly rather than being told about what it is like and to find out directly through our experience what a relationship to life is which is fulfilling, nourishing, supportive for others and is not making demands upon this world to feel good about oneself, nor making demands upon others. And so when we speak of waking up, of the ending of the sleep walk through uh, existence, it's an opportunity for a fundamental, revolutionary, radical change in the human being to see and know through your direct experience that there is a deeply transformative way at looking at this life and the one that you've been offered is an insult to your intelligence and these teachings and practices on uh, waking up and the Buddha of course being one of the masters of those uh, teachings uh, there has not only spoken about the significance of it the word Buddha means waking up to be awake has not only spoken about the significance of it, but also, and deeply important as well, has actually offered 
the skillful ways and means which will make and do make a real contribution to the waking up of the human being. Because you will not receive any of that in any deep sense from our political masters, from the corporate world, from many religious, philosophical, educational institutions. That's not in the engagement. And, and um, unfortunately, we are fed so frequent, frequently um, uh, other messages, and those, those messages have an enormous addictive grip on our life. And we know the addictive grip very easily. Unhappiness, anxiety, worry, fear, blame, negativity, self-doubt, a lack of self uh, worth, fears about the future, problems with the past, and much, much else. These are the signs and the signals of how easily and tragically it is of women and men on this earth walking through life unhappy, walking in through life worrying about what was and what will be and what is. And it's now extended itself to such a point that it's not just worry and concern about me and myself or me and my family or me and my loved ones but as we see it's extending itself further and wider to more worry and concern about the future of the planet about the massive destruction of the species about our democracy which is an utterly failed institution and if it worked it wouldn't have like here in India, 1,000 million people living in desperate poverty and many of those people living in such poverty it's worse than sub-Sahara Africa. What has democracy done for the, these people living in such terrible circumstances? So it needs a whole exploration, a, a whole fresh fresh ways of looking and I know that many of you inwardly and outwardly in the hall here have been and are and will be committed to the inquiries to the exploration to finding the liberation of the voice to new ways of being in this world and that's a great credit to women and men who have looked at the present have looked at the past and have seen through experience, it is not working. We are not fit for purpose. We have got lost. Lost in the greed, lost in consumerism, lost in the wanting, lost in the fears, lost in the worries. We've got lost in all of that. And if we are willing to explore and willing to go deep and to face our existence, Perhaps we can emerge out of that and have a fresh new sense of what it is to be on this earth in this extraordinary capacity to be human, to be conscious, to be alive and even more, to be deeply insightful about this life. Why miss the opportunity? Why waste it in materialism? And some, and plenty of you here, within India and uh, over, overseas uh, uh, as well, 
that when the material world, in just travelling lightly, you know, we arrive today, it's kind of sweetness to the eyes, you know, for people like me to see people arriving uh, on retreats with the backpacks, just carrying the essentials and the basics. Not even all of you in this hall here have even got that, because on the last retreat, uh, one person's backpack didn't turn up at Delhi airport, and there is someone on this retreat also whose backpack. So the two people are just, um, what should we say, living in what they dressed in, uh, and sooner or later, and hopefully uh, sooner, the backpack will be found somewhere on this earth and uh, passed over and, and arriving for the good person uh, there. But, so we might say <coughs> these meditations are not just <coughs> um, to reduce stress, which certainly can be important and uh, uh, helpful, but that reduction of the stress, which mindfulness, as a number of you know, is very much in the themes of exploration there, but it's really all of that, those uh, the practices which we do here, but also it's a kind of preparation to go deeper. It's not just enough to minimize some of the pains of the body, to cut some of the thinking, to uh, feel a bit more comfortable with oneself. The, there is much to be said of the benefit for that, but frankly it's kindergarten. There's a lot more to be discovered, a lot more depth to realise and, and to uh, dis- d- discover there. And it makes us, kind of, as human beings, rather rich inside. And that's rather precious, because that provides us with the opportunity to give and to share. We are so rich, we don't need much from this world. We are so rich, we're not looking for more because there's such wealth inside the being already and the world can't replace that. So one of the practices over the days here in our explorations, and there are many aspects to all of this of course, is that there is a capacity and meditation which is a kind of fancy, nice socially acceptable, comfortable word, you know, I get you called an insight meditation uh, teacher and so forth. I have to have, just on the slide, but a person has done a couple of retreats with me, I never use the word vipassana, I rarely mention it on retreats, the actual word, sometimes it gets associated with me, I'm a servant of the Dharma, uh, and that, an aspect of that is teaching uh, calm and uh, insight meditation, and one person uh, in Europe had sat a couple of retreats with me and on his third retreat to me he said to me oh Christopher do you know anything about Vipassana meditation? and I said well yeah uh, 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 a a little bit and it's simply because I hadn't actually mentioned the word uh, on two previous uh, 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 retreats quite regularly happens and apart from this evening it probably won't get mentioned on this one uh, uh, either the word insight is a, actually a very good precise, accurate translation of the word vipassana Passa is contact, direct contact 
This is the breakdown here. And the V is the doubling of. Sometimes when you and I realize that meditation, what it's about in the formal posture, is facing our existence. Possibly for the first time in one's life. And in the facing of our existence, there is the potential and the possibility that to see something very clearly and directly, which in English we, can, we call vipassana. And that seeing of something very directly and uh, uh, clearly is kind of, kind of, to break that word up, doubling the contact. We really see something clearly, which we haven't seen before. So vipassana in the Buddha's teachings, not the tradition, has no reference whatsoever to method or technique. It's not possible. In the tradition it's used in that way, which is fine, but our practice is a practice facing our existence in the development of calmness of being and equally for some insight into what is actually happening. Calm and insight. And these are the two uh, companions, we might say, of what the meditations are. Calm and insight. It's not enough to have calmness on a retreat. And the reason it's not enough is pretty obvious. It probably won't last ten minutes outside the gate. It's quite easy to be calm in a shanti shanti relatively shanti place shanti means peace for those of you who just arrived uh, there that may get disturbed a little bit entertainment goes on around the walls we did mention it uh, as the health warning uh, before the uh, retreat and, and the insight factor <coughs> is important because the insight, insight factor is to see clearly and in the seeing clearly it can go deep and it can, can go deep enough that it is <coughs> pardon me <coughs> it is an actual support in the daily life and the insight can then give support to the calm and the calm gives support to the uh, insight and here we are interested in both equally much of the time not all but much of the time may well be with the mindfulness of breathing experiencing of the body and the other practices is contributed, contributing to the harmony and the well-being. Harmony of body and mind, that sense of well-being, which is really precious and beautiful. But my goodness me, if you want it to be sustained and be to be beneficial for you, it's going to need some clarity and some insights. And sometimes the clarity and insights have authority and you can say to yourself during the days on this, this retreat there are things which I am going to change in my life because they are not worth sustaining any longer and you'll have the power and the quiet authority of the human being to make those changes uh, in your life because you've had an insight on this retreat other retreats and other environments and it's the insights which are powerful Calmness is not enough. You can do your mantras morning, noon and night. I've done loads of them over the, uh, over the years when I spent my ten years here in the, uh, in the East. Helpful and valuable. 
but there's no substitute for realizations. There's no substitute for deep insights. With the practices and with the uh, the days here, uh, Dora was speaking to you uh, before uh, 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 coming in. Some of you here will have had uh, experiences um, on uh, retreats in the so-called Western Paradise, and um, and of course everything, because the West it has this ongoing tragic love affair with comfort uh, there, which is frankly is not so good for us. But I'll speak about that in a while. Uh, but more more importantly, everything's nice and comfortable, and it's quiet and it's silent and it's uh, it's easy, and all the needs are provided. And there's the breakfast with the I go to the centres, I'm talking from experience here, you go to the centres and uh, at the breakfast table there you may have a range of different kind of uh, cornflakes or whatever they're called uh, porridge and, uh, and other things and then you've perhaps got ten jars, your jams and your honeys and your, and your pastes and uh, all of that and, uh, and then you've got your rice crackers and then, you, you know, you've got, then you've got your juices and your fresh water and your coffee and your tea etc etc here it's chai, porridge and fruit and that's it good luck <laughs> it's no picnic we're not offering one it's bare it's, it's minimal and there's something I rather like about it in fact I actually refuse and some of the monks do, I know as well, refuse to go to these five-star centres. I don't want to have anything to do with them. It's just not my cup of tea at all. So it is a little bit harder here. It's a little bit tougher you know, with, the, uh, with the diet and, and with the day and with the sounds which go on around you and much, much more. But sometimes human beings, in the challenge of these things, we develop a quiet strength we can develop a quiet resilience and, and we, get a, we get a certain quiet authority as a human being and we can handle this world much more easily because we, there's a certain resilience which has come uh, for us and it's really, really uh, important because so often and so easily in life we're just looking for what's easier what's more nice, what's more comfortable it's killing you it's the death of an adult life. And we're trying to find some, without going to the extreme, as the Buddha commented, trying to find that quiet steadiness of the, of the middle way and re- really stay true to it as much as we possibly can. Because it's, it is sustainable. And the rest is leading to annihilation. In the day, uh, there, as I mentioned, Dora giving you lots of uh, outlines and important things to remember, and sometimes it is a little bit <coughs> the list from both of us of the <coughs> the do's and the don'ts. So um, I'll just add a little bit to what our beloved uh, Queen Manager uh, here has has, uh, been saying and just to reinforce uh, uh, a little bit. One of course and a very important one here is um, safety and your contribution 
uh, to that is no use under any circumstances whatsoever to light, use a candle or light a match or uh, a lighter in uh, any way uh, whatsoever. And that's both uh, indoors and uh, outdoors. Some of you, uh, maybe some of you who uh, smoke uh, cigarettes, and the criteria here is you can have a cigarette and you can smoke it 500 kilometers from where I'm sitting, <laughs> in any direction of being generous. And, um, and the primary intention behind that is twofold. One is to save you from getting cancer, and secondly, to, to put out of business the tobacco industry and to use the land for the growing of crops which give people health rather than kill them. And all of us in these things genuinely can make a, a, a contribution there. Um, the health factor is also another important factor here. Uh, uh, there. Um, for some <coughs> of us who come reg regularly, it would be unusual not to get the irritation in the throat or the, the runny nose or whatever uh, it might be. On the odd year, those of us who come regularly don't have it. It seems a little bit strange being in India without a runny nose or an irritating uh, throat. There are small things which each and every one of us can do to support ourselves and each other. One important one is the hands. The hands are easily a, <coughs> <coughs> a transmission there. Sometimes people say, oh, I went to India and the food make, made me sick. It's unlikely. It, doesn't happen. it does happen, but not very often. It's quite often the hands weren't clean. And you picked up your party. You're eating perhaps with the food or a piece of fruit or whatever, and the germs were on the hand. You were forgotten to wash the hands and in the dirt that you eat, you swallow, you get diarrhea. With the here with the, the good food that our dear cooks uh, provide for us, each day there is the cutting of the vegetables. Please make sure health is good. No cuts on the hand. <coughs> Do wash the hands first and take real care with everything. Really be mindful looking at everything. In the last retreat, a nail found its way from the table into the salad. These things happen. So, real mindfulness with the diet, with the preparation of the food, with the eating of, of the food. This will help a great deal. Um, uh, Dora, very uh, <coughs> kind. <coughs> it's interesting, when, when the retreat is over and I don't have to talk so much, there is a massive recovery in the voice. But anyway, please uh, uh, forgive. And one of the uh, areas, I'm just on the edge with this one at the, uh, at the moment, and Dora spoke to you uh, uh, firmly and uh, uh, clearly, and that is the mobile phones uh, there. 
And as she pointed out to you, for many, it's an unrecognized, unacknowledged addiction. We're living in a society here and elsewhere where countless numbers of human beings, not just a minute, hours every day, have, have been transformed into zombies. Click, 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 click. Hours every day. Is it any wonder there's no energy left for love, for compassion, for deep service to others, when the self is so introverted into its obsessive addictive behaviour, like that. They have a place, maybe five or ten minutes a day. But everything is to get people addicted. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and texting and films and, and so on and so forth. So there are guidelines here and there are strict there because it's a teaching of liberation and therefore liberation from addiction and the guidelines are very simple I know there are at least two or three of you in this uh, uh, room actually from different countries who currently do require and need some contact with a person somewhere else because of their age or an accident or a sickness, or because they're your children and they need some communication from you. You have my full 100% support and okay to use your mobile phone for such persons. Please, of course, keep it short. Please, in that communication with that person, that friend, that grandparent, the father, the mother, the the brother, the sister, husband, wife or whatever is because of your concern for them and they would appreciate your support no matter how young or no matter how old. If you do need to have contact, do not at any time use it in here. That means in the ground here. You walk outside the gate, you turn right, you walk for about 50 metres and on those conditions, you are completely free and have the full support of Dora and I to make the contact with such a person and nobody else. There. If, it get, if there is chatter going on uh, here, because this is an important uh, aspect, and I think Dora mentioned to you just how valuable it is for the heart and being to have the space to be without this use uh, of the phone there, that if you can you know, really make that space uh, uh, for that while, uh, while you are here, it's very much appreciated, in fact, by every, everybody. But if there is abuse of the support that is being given for those who really need to uh, use it by... Uh, any, uh, anyone else you're going to end up with Christopher with two choices very simple mobile phone gets handed in as it does in many other centres around the world 
less kind than I am, <laughs> or more kind, or whatever, uh, and give it to Dora, and we'll put it safely away with your good name on it until the uh, end of the retreat. And if you can't let go of it, the addiction is so strong, I would suggest you something very simple. Don't stay here. You're very welcome to take a step. You can stay elsewhere and come in each day so that you can use your mobile phone to your addiction's need. Get it? And hopefully, because Dora mentioned a little bit of what happened uh, at the last retreat and what's happened on the retreat before that and the retreat before that, uh, 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 etc. So out of your kindness for the present generation who is here, for the future generation, because I don't want to end up, as other centres have done, in which there is an emergency mobile telephone number on the board outside there and everyone will have to hand in their mobile phone in order to participate in the retreat. We haven't got to that, but I'm getting very close. You heard it. With the day and uh, uh, the fullness, the fullness of the day uh, here. And just with the teachings and the practices. During the days here, I'll certainly will be speaking to you about uh, the depths as much as possible. And what I uh, mean by that, the depths of uh, human experience, the matters of the heart, the transcendent elements, the themes <coughs> of um, self, non-self, no-self, often one of the major challenges, of course, for a human being to face up to the issues of self, the exploration of emptiness, realizations, Waking up, Nirvana, we all get touched upon, and all being all being well. But if the whole feels a bit lightweight, then they won't. <laughs> no, they will. And in that, the there are two aspects to this. It is a time-honoured aspect, and what I mean by that. The Buddha, with a remarkable uh, wisdom and clarity, regularly looked at the relationship between knowledge and silence, the important intimacy of knowledge with silence. And (coughs) And so important is the silence that he uses one of the highest words he could use Aryan means noble noble silence it is immensely different from 
being quiet. It's different from uh, whispering to the other. It's different from the absence of noise. And our expressions, much encouraged here, of the noble silence, what it does is, with the knowledge, that is the imparting of the knowledge, the sharing of the knowledge, at the moment Christopher is engaged in this with you, the silence that we offer and share and give to each other allows and enables a receptivity to that knowledge. And so all other knowledge, your studies, your school, your education, the information, and much, much uh, else, we put all of that aside. We forget all of that because we're exploring noble silence and the receptivity to the knowledge which can be possibly supportive for your experience. And the deep spiritual traditions of India, not only the Buddha Dharma, have recognized this engagement of helpful, practical knowledge for the benefit of the human being and your important contribution with the silence and in that meeting place whoa much can happen much can happen and when one looks as some of us has done if I may say of uh, 50 years now of coming to India and um, visiting visiting here that <coughs> <coughs> that in this knowledge, silence, uh, relationship which takes place, whether it's from the great dialogues and communications in the Upanishads, the Buddha's texts and the reports of the dialogues that he said, out of the Advaita tradition of the great teachers of Shankara and Ramana Maharshi of the last century, and much, much more. More human beings have gained insights and realizations owing to what was heard, perhaps in just a sentence or two, which touched the human being, it registered deep, and from that, possibly, some reflection may have come and out of that reflection some insight or some understanding may have come and it endured through the life and sometimes in life you and I meet somebody somebody told me more than one person just on the last retreat of just having what appeared to be a kind of casual conversation with somebody one was at the burning gap. And in that exchange between two people, the other person was a young man, an Indian young man, and he just shared his knowledge, his insights, 
his understanding. And the person listening, sharing and just talking together rather informally, understood things which they had not understood before. Something was clear and the person said to me, gosh, it was one of the most important conversations I've had. That the, the imparting of the knowledge to the other may come in its formal sense, Christopher sitting on the, the throne. The throne in English is twofold. It's what the Queen sits on and it's also the toilet. You know, you can, either way, I'm comfortable. And, and sometimes we have a communication, something is transpired, which we receive, which touches us deeply and is a real benefit. We are deeply interested in this knowledge. We are deeply interested in it. This is not a teaching which says, the truth is within you. Where? Etc. It's not a teaching which says, the truth is outside of you. Where? It is a teaching which says the truth can emerge. And sometimes in remarkable and beautiful and sometimes surprising and unexpected ways. But it's the truth and the truth alone which wakes us up. And we know when the truth is touched because it's just woke us up. With the day. The day, in this exploration of the human experience and all the challenge that uh, goes uh, with it, as just mentioned to you, there's the, 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 the silence. Please remember it is the noble silence. Sometimes it happens that you're not quite clear about something in the practical sense. Not necessary to ask one of the yogis here. Not necessary to have some huddled whisper in your room. Something's not clear in all the practicalities of things, and there are many, many of them. Queen Bee is sitting (laughs) here, a little exhausted on this absolutely full day, um, understandably, uh, but generally refreshed after a good sleep. And she's such a sweetheart, she's abandoned her room and the quote-unquote guru has now moved in and somebody else has moved into my room, it's there and she's now trans-emigrated she's now taking refuge in the kitchen for a week Uh, We we will soon, with such letting go, Dora, we'll be coming for darshan You know (laughs) You can just sit on the bed like Ramana, you know, and just say a few words and give us your blessing, we, 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 etc. <laughs> All right. <coughs> but as much as possible, of course, uh, two of us are here for you, wish to give um, as much uh, support to each and every person. And if you have a, a request, or something's not clear for you, do leave a note if it's around the practice and teachings, Christopher, with Dora, if it's uh, some other information, then we'll get back to you as, as quickly as we, as we can.
with the day the day it's a full day and when we did the sharing this uh, morning uh, in the closing of the first retreat one of the person I can't remember the exact uh, words but it was a kind of shock horror uh, the person said that on arriving looked at the timetable oh my god didn't expect this uh, and sent a few uh, 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 shockwaves uh, there um, you have to pace yourself this is not a military camp there it's not a hardcore Mahasi Sayas or Zen retreat or a Zen retreat or a Goenka retreat or all the other ones that you like to call intense they're not really but people like to call them that um, <coughs> that <coughs> with the timetable there's the fullness of the day and find your rhythm with it and with the day itself we begin the day at 5.30am uh, the bell ringer is uh, 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 invited which polite English word for told to ring the bell outside all the doors uh, around uh, uh, the place and then at 5.45 for those who wish to come the back half of the meditation hall is used for uh, yoga do we have yoga teachers? Yeah. Yes, we have and we have two uh, uh, yoga teachers and a very uh, big thank you to the uh, yoga teachers and it is really a valuable <coughs> way to start the day and just that stretching out of the limbs and the yoga class is really to give support to everybody in the four postures and with the uh, yoga that stretching out does and will reduce a lot of pain during the day it's, it, yoga is it's like a brother and sister happily brother and sister uh, uh, in the way that they go together they, 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 are, they have a common vision of the harmony of the human being and the, the transformative so do make use of the yoga class some of you <coughs> may prefer to uh, do your own there and then sometimes the uh, some people may be tired you hear the bell in the morning and your yoga class is consists of being in the horizontal posture and turning over to the other side it's a, a modest start to your yoga asanas but have to start somewhere I suppose so uh, we leave that to you the yoga teacher kindly finishes around 6.30, 6.35 or so so that that gives a few minutes to end people to change, go to the loo or whatever and then the bell ringer rings again at 6.45, does the round at 6.40 and at 6.45 we have the first uh, sitting of the day with breakfast at 7.30 I appreciate that some of you might be feeling quite uh, tired there. You've probably perhaps travelled a long way, perhaps from Dr. Jane's guest house or somewhere. And um, 
then do take a little uh, extra rest if you need. But this is not a hotel. There is only one serving of porridge, and that's at 7.30. So if you miss it, lunch will be at 12.30. Enjoy the lunch even more. So with the day, the day we value here all four postures. Sitting posture, walking posture, standing posture and reclining posture. Each of those four postures <coughs> have great benefit and you'll know the great benefit because you explore them. Your experience is the authority, not my endorsement. And you'll see the particular benefits and differences between the four postures. You'll experience, have the potential to experience the insights and the wise application of them in different situations. And, of course, the simple, obvious truth with this is you and I, in our short little walk on this earth, we spend most of our life in one of these four. And if you're British, you spend a bit more time in the standing posture because we love cues. So... Uh, or waiting for the train, or whatever it might be. So, everywhere in the daily life, sitting, walking, standing and reclining, what are we doing here? Exactly the same. It can be easily transferred into the daily life. And uh, uh, the Buddha, he must have broken the hearts of the yogis, because uh, the Buddha said, sitting is fine, but it's just one posture. What about the other three? Sitting is fine, but what about eating? Uh, what about squatting on the toilet? What about taking a piss? What about dressing in the morning? What, what about washing clothes? What about opening up the life to everything and not relying on being a hardcore sitting meditation yogi as the only way to enlightenment? Awakening is to awaken out the whole life, to bring present and exploration and reflection and inquiry to the whole there, of which a precious and important feature of that is sitting. But so is walking, and so is standing, and so is reclining, and so is eating nourishing food, and much, much more. Do make a quiet commitment to, if you would, please, to uh, stay steady uh, with it all through throughout the whole of the week, for the full uh, week. Because sometimes I know the most, uh, one of the most popular mantras on uh, retreats is five words, gets repeated again and again, far more popular than Om Mani Padmi Hung or Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Ram. The mantra here is, what am I doing here? Why have I come here? Etc. And this one can <coughs> be far more ex a far more successful mantra than the, uh, the religious ones. Hang in. Stay steady. 
uh, with it. And you'll quietly move through the days here together and you'll be fine. I'll be meeting with you initially with uh, small groups for those of you that arrived today. I'll put names, time, locations up. There will also be the regularity of the 10-minute one-to-ones with you uh, over the days and this will give me the opportunity and the privilege to have some personal direct uh, contact with you and in any way that I can be helpful and supportive for your practice uh, let me know and that can take place with this <coughs> me <coughs> with the small groups and with the one uh, the one to ones there sometimes for some people tell me and I think it's a lovely sweet motivation that the meditations and the reflections and the challenge here that sometimes people will remember if as a human being I am less needy less judgmental expressing love and kindness and, and I'm at peace with myself and peace with uh, others others people will get the benefit we are not blaming, fault finding criticising needy and agitated and there's a different quality to our whole being others will recognise that and others will appreciate that so some people come and say you know Christopher I know I'm here for myself in a way but I'm actually here for others as well because others will benefit out of what comes out from our being there so remember we're so intimate we're so close we're so connected with each other that our heart, our voice, our mind our being influences this world let's be a, a profoundly supportive one Okay, let's have a, a quiet minute together, shall we?